Hello and welcome to The Dive, a new weekly podcast about the world of league esports and the NALCS. I am Jack, here with Kobe. Hello, my friends. And Isaiah. What's up? And today we're going to be talking about the trade, or so the acquisition of Double It to Team Liquid, as well as the rest of the NALCS roster swaps. Yes, we're also going to go over Patch 7.5, which just came out. A lot of nice uh, buffs and nerfs, uh, and how Solo Queue is going at the moment. Then we're going to break down the NALCS and give you some playoff predictions as we get to the business end of the split. Yeah, but first, we do need to talk about Double It to Team Liquid Let's go. Hottest topics. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably the biggest topic we've maybe had all year. Yeah. So a fitting start for our podcast right here. What the... And that's... What just happened? My favorite part is that this double lift trade, everyone's like, oh my God. And that just started this cascading effect of a whole bunch of, you know, chain of trades for uh, a bunch of the teams that are trying to patch up these issues within their teams right before the deadline. And everything gets pushed up literally right up against that March deadline uh, for the playoffs. But So everybody had to have all the players locked in if they wanted to play with them in yeah. the upcoming playoffs. Uh, I mean, I think it's safe to say Liquid really does not want to get relegated. Yeah, and they they did all these things at the deadline. I was just listening to Doublelift's interview with Travis before this, and as he was getting on the plane to come to, L- to LA, yeah. he saw on Reddit that they signed Adrian. So yeah, he, he actually did yeah. this. He just, you know what, I'm going to go to Team Liquid and I'm going to play with Matt. Well, and I was this like, is, well, maybe I'll play with Adrian a little bit later. There's actually a lot of important context uh, in that interview yep. that you're talking about. And you're talking about um, how Double Lift, uh, you know, he wanted to come back, right? Mm-hmm. He's been a pretty vocal, actually, about the streaming, you know, and uh, losing a little bit of interest in streaming. And this is just such a driven guy. He wants yeah. to play competitively. He wants to play in the LCS again. And that's the thing. I've known Double Lift since before he was a pro. So, like, when he was just coming out of homelessness and living with Travis, I used to play with him and talk to him on Vent. Trillo and stuff. So, this dude, I could Ventrilo. not see him. Ventrillo, that's a yeah, throwback. That's so you said it. You that said it in such a weird, disjointed <laughs> yeah. way, though. Ventrillo. Yeah. Well, because I always call it Vent, yeah, and then people are like, "What's Vent?" Yeah. It's like, look up Ventrillo. It's an old voice chat service before it, people. By the way, can we just go off on this tangent? Because I love Ventrillo, and it, it, like, it took, I miss it. Exactly. I really miss it. Discord is just too clean. You have the channels. You can yeah. kick whoever you want. You don't out. have to pay for a server. Like it's, it's actually, you did have to pay for a server. I know that's that part of the good part. Someone else. Uh, That was a huge tangent. Uh, But Doublelift is a dude who I didn't think would definitely not stream for a year. I almost for sure thought he was coming back for the summer split. And we thought potentially if TSM would have taken a bad turn that week they played TSM and C9, that they might have brought him back already. Uh, But what what was the interesting context from the interview was that Doublelift was actually talking to a bunch of different teams looking to scrim with them because he was trying to ramp up to come back to TSM in the summer. Yeah, and the important uh, you know, other side of that is, yeah, Doublelift did want to come back, but Reggie, the reason why Doublelift is talking to these other teams to get scrim stuff, uh, Reggie's pretty happy with the improvements that they've made with Turtle. They've had so much focus on the team play and the communication mm-hmm. and you know, Hanser emerging as this other leader for them that I it's totally understandable to me that Reggie, you know, with all the focus that they've been building with Wild Turtle, and especially, you know, having two shot callers Mm -hmm. um, in Bjergsen and Hansa right now could, you know, be mixed up. If you add double if backed in, another strong voice, you know, communication isn't just about having a whole bunch of people who can be shot callers. Sometimes if you add a lot of extra stuff in there, then... Do you you think that that's actually true, though? I do. do. I have been on a team where we have multiple people wanting to... I mean the double turtle thing, right? Like, do you think that's the real reason, or do you think it's, hey, turtle, you can play to the end of the split, I'll start double if you can't come back, because I told turtle he could play to the end of the split. (laughs) To me, that's what I think it is. I see almost no world in which the summer split 
trial comes out, Doublelift goes out, and it's like, oh, sorry, sorry, bud, you didn't make the team. You know what? I, I think both those things could be true, right? I think Doublelift can be a better long-term fit for TSM, but because they've been spending this whole split teaching Hanser to shot call more and having Bjergsen find a new role and everyone essentially adjusting, to then make them adjust again as they reach mm-hmm. the end of the regular season into playoffs, it's possible and probably likely that they'd be worse as soon as they insert doublet even if they think they're going to be better long term and that that's why my eyes are a lot on the haunter part even though everybody's focusing oh turtle versus double lift and just these you know side by side comparisons i really like what it has you know done to the rest of the team and you know when you kind of force them to find their own way uh, the improvements we've seen from the beginning of the split are are pretty pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they, to me, actually, I think they look better than Cloud Nine right now. But uh, but we are getting a little off track. I mean, we definitely are. Yeah, Let's get back talk, to double lift. Talk about Team Liquid on yeah. Team Liquid. Yeah, but specifically, we got to look at the situation they're in right now. They're three and nine, two thirds of the way through the split. They still have to play the top four teams in the NALCS. They haven't played C9, TSM, Phoenix One, or FlyQuest on the second half. They're two games out of playoffs, one game out of removing from relegation. This is how good are they now with this <laughs> roster? Is the question. Regardless of that, this is very obviously a let's not get relegated. Yeah. <laughs> go buy whoever the heck we can go find right yeah. now. I mean, uh, <laughs> Doublelift is even saying that's the goal, right? He's like, oh, it'd be a sweet bonus if we could get to playoffs, but they have to go six and zero. They have to beat the two best teams in the league to even have a chance. And and I, it's. Even just avoiding They've, relegation is a success. Yeah. yeah. And even though a you know, double F, you know, in that interview was like, oh, yeah, I heard that, you know, people were telling me Piglet's good at mid lane. And- he didn't watch the games. <laughs> exactly. yeah. He hasn't even seen Piglet play yeah. mid lane yet. He didn't watch the games. And, like, people, a lot of the people just that don't are saying. don't let him watch the Oriana game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Piglet <laughs> oh, is, Piglet's yeah. good at mid lane. A lot of them, that's in the context of this guy just switched to mid lane. And we're like, oh, <laughs> he well, he's now. pretty good at mid lane for, you know, just yeah. switching over there for uh, competitive, even though, you know, it's like his off roller whatever hey that's a really good you know switch that's not a oh he's pretty comparable to jensen and bjergsen good <laughs> so I, i'm actually curious what your guys opinion on this some people are talking on reddit and social media hey this is this is not fair that they can do this that they can make this swap mm-hmm. to avoid relegations this late in the year and, and i kind of feel like it's a bit of a, a yankees type move where it's like buying up all the good players you know if you're if you're envy feels pretty bad just have a team be able to be losing all year even with a more expensive roster and then just be like oh throw yeah. more money so, at it to me yeah okay it can feel bad but we don't have any sort of uh salary caps uh, as rules in the league right now so Should we? you know it's not against that rule it's not against the the trade deadline the trade deadline is set up for that reason so you can't have yeah. these like last minute things and they did it right before the trade deadline so yeah and as far as i'm concerned it's not alone they had to release Doublelift from TSM. Yeah, they bought him. And then Doublelift said he would only sign a contract that runs till the end of the spring split. So until that contract is up, he's team liquid. Yeah, the loan part comes from Doublelift saying, I'm not going to keep playing with your team because I want to be a winner. Like, Doublelift is like, I'll come train with your team. And, oh, you guys want me to train in the LCS? That's just better training, basically. It's not a, yeah, I would love to come play with the team that I haven't even seen your mid blader play, and I didn't even know you signed a new support, but that's cool. Hyperbolic time yeah. chamber. He's going, I'm, I'm he's really going curious to place. of what, what happens here, right? Like, the egos potentially could clash. Doublelift is looking at this, oh, yeah, I'm going to come in and potentially save the team. I, how much saving is there, right? They still have an 80 carry playing mid lane, and that's a little bit better. Yeah. Their support in Matt hasn't been playing well for most of the year, as well as his ADs not playing very well. The, the, there's a lot of pros and cons on both sides of this, right? Rainover and Doublelift worked extremely well together at the All-Star game. Doublelift and Rainover both respect each other a lot. That's one reason why it could work. A reason why it couldn't work is 
They have an 80 carry playing mid lane. Matt's not good. The team's in last place. They don't have practice. There's so many things that could go wrong. Doublelift has been playing a ton of Draven, and uh, you know, the oh, one I, the, I'd actually be excited for that. Well, one of the big yeah. things, yeah, it, that they've been talking about though, is that oh yeah, you know, Piglet's aggressive playstyle that really helps Rain over. You know, you, he can play around mid lane, and it opens up it. What if you have a Draven in the bottom lane? You also need to play <laughs> play around that too, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Do you need to play around Doublelift now? Is Lorlo just like? All right. Well, I'm never getting a gank. Yeah, it's getting definitely not tanks. the year of Lorlo anymore. I think we're done with that. <laughs> Was it ever, Jet? Well, holy For like moly. a week, I think it might have been. And, and I, I think, the day of Lorlo? <laughs> yeah. I think for Doublelift coming in, though, to answer your question, Jet, I think there's there's a lot of saving. It's it's hard to look bad as Doublelift in this situation, in my opinion. He's coming into the worst team in the league, which is pretty much a disaster. Like, I don't feel like he gets too hurt from this. Like, if you lose to TSM and C9 and the top teams, be like, yeah, that probably should have happened. Not a big deal. If he beats a couple teams and they don't get relegated, mm -hmm. he looks good. Yeah. yeah. I think we are on the same page with the double of thing, and, like, it's, a, you know, super good for training for him, and it's super good for Team Liquid to try and get out of uh, relegations. But I actually want to follow the chain of other trades yeah, yeah. that came along with this because they're super important. The Phoenix 1 thing, to me, is another team, you know, trying to fix some internal drama as some of it's already come out on a lot of these interviews that Inori's been doing. Yeah. And uh, our our video that we had where uh, Adrian was talking about his happy to him. have his jungler play with a brain. Like, yeah. that is some hot stuff. If this double of news didn't come out, Adrian would have been the top story on pretty much any other week. Let's set the table a little bit because Adrian has actually been a player where drama has seemed to follow him around a little bit. When he was on Team Impulse... <laughs> Your voice right now is like, drama. It's true. Yeah. When he was on Team Impulse, Intriguing. he left the team for a while <laughs> because he said he wasn't getting along with players. And this whole Inori versus Adrian thing really felt like it was Adrian not getting along with Inori and yeah. the team picking Inori over him, even though Medius was being fairly successful. Which, which is pretty interesting because it had looked like they were actually, you know, choosing Adrian basically, right? Inori goes away for a bit with his, his the personal issues that he had to deal mm -hmm. with. Uh, he comes back. He was very vocal. It feels like the team is rejecting me. I'm not getting to play. I want to get in there. And it's like, well, I guess they replaced him with Medios. But the fact that Adrian is the one who gets dealt at the trade deadline shows that this team still believes in Inori. I mean, Medios has said he doesn't really want to be a long-term competitive guy so i mean it seems like they've made their choice yeah i mean based on what we know i actually side with the decision phoenix one made i feel like adrian kind of crossed a line where he came publicly in one of the kind of riot interviews within the yeah, show that's brutal. saying that his his new jungler is playing with a brain essentially saying that his old jungler his teammate doesn't have a brain like yeah. you don't say that as a respectful <laughs> player so I, I think that's totally over the line. Yeah, for team and, morale, it's brutal. And I think that could also be why Team Liquid is saying they're going to be starting Matt, whether or not that's true or not. Because if there's a player that potentially is saying that type of stuff, like, I don't want... Unless he Then why do repents. you get him? Well, that's the question. Yeah, why do you get him? Because he's talented. That's, he's good. This is actually a pretty good overarching question because there are a lot of times where we have these players that you respect their abilities uh, to play the game, right? And so then when you see roster changes with these players, you're like, oh, wow, that's like a really strong player. But everybody knows that they also might, may or may not, you know, it's speculation, have these, you know, internal issues or the ability to work with teammates, like uh, people who are known for being toxic or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how much do you value, ooh, this guy is super good mechanically, he's a very good player at the game, but then you have to weigh in on, will my team be able to work with this person? Mm -hmm. Will be able to manage the, 
you know, relationships here. To, to me, the question becomes how good is the player, right? Like, where is the line that you draw? Because to me, Adrian is not a bona fide superstar. Yes, he is a good support. He has been consistent. But, like, if it's Bjergsen is toxic as hell or something, okay, you're getting Bjergsen on the team. It's too bad, everyone else. But, I mean, <laughs> if, if it's Adrian, is it, is it worth getting Adrian over Matt? Is he such a massive upgrade that – you get this guy and, and he ruins your team environment or whatever, you know, theoretically. And, like, yeah, so much of this is speculation, yeah, too, because course. for the longest time, I just saw Adrian as a troll. Yeah. I just thought he was joking around all the time. Uh, and we he, don't, we he don't all, know, right? And we don't know, it's right? Just speculation. His, his weird champion pool. Can he actually play everything in the teams that he's on? He just gets convinced. He's that always he been nice to me. Champions. Let me put that out. There. Yeah, yeah, I've never. <laughs> whenever never I've talked with me. Adrian, he's been super nice. He always smiles and he always trolls, right? He's yeah. always saying, you know, I'm the best. Everyone else is trash with like a jokey smile. But it's just as soon as he said it about a teammate i'm like wait a minute that well, would feel awful and, and the question is just it's it's a theoretical question it doesn't yeah. even matter if it's adrian it's it, to me it's just about if someone is going to be bad for your team environment and the team agrees on that they yeah. better be worth it right like they yep. better be smashing in game because it's easy to get along when you're winning it's not when you're losing yeah it, it it's a question of whether or not it's worth it and it varies by a case-by-case -case basis yeah. you don't have to like each other to win but it certainly helps yeah <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, you know, the guy coming in to fill Adrian's spot is going to be Stunt, who yep. we were pretty excited about. He's one of these guys with solo queue uh, accolades. And then he comes into the LCS, and you have, you know, high hopes for these people, mm -hmm. but um, you're not necessarily sure if, it, if he's going to have immediate success, or there's always the uh, factor of stage performance or scrim performance or solo queue stuff. And I feel like support is one of the roles most difficult to adapt yeah. um, along with jungle uh, from solo queue to pro play. I, I think the the thing that is, is the bright side of a story like Stunt is he had both the top two support challenger accounts, mm -hmm. I, I believe. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he is very good at solo queue. You know he has the mechanics, right? You have to teach him some of the stuff. Like, the adaptation from solo queue to pro play is going to be tough for a support player. But I think that a guy like that, who you know for sure is going to be very good mechanically, who is able to climb solo queue like that, should be someone that you can spend the time teaching and to become a very good player. At least that's the way I would look at someone who's very successful in solo queue. Yeah, and this is actually kind of interesting because this is the least popularized trait of all of them. Yeah. But it's also the one that makes the least sense to me from Team Dingertoss' side. TSM selling double lift to Team mm -hmm. Liquid makes sense because they're going to practice them up and they're going to want them for summer split anyway. Mm -hmm. Phoenix 1 getting rid of Adrian because of Team Drama makes sense. Team Dingertoss is owned by the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> so you're saying they don't need money. They don't need money. This is a money <laughs> trade. They didn't get anything in return for Stunt. Their whole message of trust the process and building an infrastructure with English lessons for their Korean players. And Stunt is currently the best solo queue support in North America. And X-Special is a veteran who I'd love to have a backup for because this dude has slumped hard in the past. Why does Dignitas give this guy away to Phoenix One? Hey, it could it could Can simply only speculate, be right? it could be about stunt, right? Like maybe stunt gets to actually play full time on this, and they think that this is the best opportunity for him. And and he may just be simply mm. saying. I'm not getting to start here. I don't want to play on this team anymore. Let me go somewhere else where I can get that pro play experience yep. and I can build up my own career, right? Because it sucks sitting sitting on yeah. the bench and, and yeah. being a sub when you think that you're good enough or even if you think that you're better than the person that you're playing behind. I think that is brutal. So this could simply be Stunt saying, get me out of here. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge, awesome move for Stunt. And it could just be Team Dignitas doing him a solid. Maybe yeah. it's similar to Immortals. I mean, he's now on a playoff team right, right? now. And, and yeah. he has the opportunity to, to show up big. 
it's similar with Immortals and Hooney. They had signed him to a contract, and then mm-hmm. SKT offered him, so they essentially released him from a contract because mm-hmm. they knew he wanted to play for the best team. Oh, uh, those so. good guy and those good guys <laughs> really paying off with that five and seven record now. It's, oh, it's a whole other story, right? Because those are the costs that you're paying, and I think this yeah. actually hurts Team Dignitas. But good on them, I guess, for doing him a solid and letting him go to a playoff yeah. team. And he gets to play with Arrow now. I mean, yeah. most and pretty much everyone's saying best AD in the league. Uh, if you have a, a mechanical genius support, whatever, mm-hmm. and you put him with with a very strong competitive player he can learn yeah i mean i'm actually super excited for phoenix one after these trades even though there's so much focus on liquid and they're like oh he's crazy you know shifting everything up i think phoenix phoenix one are primed right now yeah just to kind of wrap up the roster talk discussion let's scoreboard it right like who made out the best i think Everybody all made out. Moves positive. I think that's the thing. I think all of them made positive moves, except the point you bring up about maybe Team Dignitas not really getting much in return, except being you know the nice guy, mm-hmm. I guess. Or maybe they <laughs> maybe they got a lot of money, or yeah. maybe or maybe it was maybe actually stunt a thing. Comes back in a year. Maybe right? stunt like, was actually super end? toxic, and they wanted to get him out of there. Is <laughs> huh? Yeah, the you're, guy you're who does saying, nothing but smile, just sitting on the bench, yeah. like they should let me play. Yeah, like, he's smiling on the outside, but on the inside, just like just like Adrian, who knew he was toxic? He's always no, I, I think Team Liquid, biggest moves, most desperation, yeah. but the most payoff because I think they spent the most money. Phoenix won is a, a question mark, and I think Dignitas lost a little bit. You say most payoff money. until they actually still get relegated with double lift on the God. team. That would be hilarious. Ooh. That would actually be hilarious. Yeah, and then they'll bring in Faker next split because they will stop at nothing. So they said that was a Zales joke. I want to move on to the patch, though. Yeah. Uh, patch 7.5 hit a couple days ago there were the mm-hmm. biggest things on the patch were probably the large leblanc nerfs we're gonna start with that. yeah yeah i mean the leblanc nerfs and then she also did. masteries too <laughs> um whenever they actually change parts of the game that can be used by by multiple champions i get super excited because i love theory crafting so as soon as the mastery things came out, uh, you know, I was thinking of ways to use them. Yeah. If you want to start with LeBlanc, I think that one's pretty simple, though. Uh, just put her in the dumpster. Yeah. They literally <laughs> yeah. took off 125 damage off her main <laughs> skill. We're gonna I don't know if we've ever done bit. that before. Yeah, the Shatter Orb damage to minions went from 40 to 80%, so you're almost forced to max Q now. But as you said, Distortion at max rank was 225 on a .6 ability power ratio. It is now 100 on a point yeah. two ability like, power ratio. Oh yeah, this changed the same two cents, blah 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 blah. Take off 125 yeah. damage. Yeah. Whoa! Your rank up incentive is essentially cooldown reduction because it yeah. goes down two seconds every rank. What do you think, Azale? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think we're gonna see it at all. It, it, it's not gonna get picked. Nope. It's not gonna be banned. I think that you know that is completely gone. Um, but that said, Fizz. Uh, may have kind of slotted back in there. We saw some Fizz earlier this year. Fizz was already pretty strong, I think, in solo queue, and now it got some decent buffs. Like, there are some actually pretty significant changes, I think, for competitive. MFADC is something where I don't think we're going to see it all again mm-hmm. because that took some pretty big nerfs and was already niche, but Lucian, I think, is going to be back in there almost all the time now. Those changes, I actually played some on Lucian. Uh, the cast time got reduced on his W and his Q. He actually feels yeah. so smooth so fast. to play that people who are like mechanically very good at this champion... Mm, double, no, double lift. exactly. <laughs> uh, but a lot of players, I think, that in combination with the Fervor buffs, you could be back in there. Blade of the Rune King as well. I think you can even go Blade mm. of the Rune King, uh, Lucian, make up for the fact that you're not playing Warlords, go Fervor, and you could be really strong. Yeah. Um, I think the main things we are going to be seeing is LeBlanc is totally out. Um, Lucian maybe will be back in for like players that we know to be you know yeah. previous Lucian players. Um, but again, 
the thing I'm most excited for is, are there interesting ways that these new masteries are going to be used? Because the, uh, you know, support, basically it's, it was built for support, melee mm-hmm. supports is mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, what's the new name of the Bond of Stone, Jack? Stoneborn Pact. Stoneborn Pact, right. And you can, you can add that utility of, you know, putting that mark on people so your teammates can heal. Yeah. That's only good for a small number of champions. I was so excited. I tried to use it on Nunu Jungle and I was it felt okay. I think okay. it's the best mastery for Nunu Jungle. Now, theor- it definitely is. I feel like that's the the place it fills in. It's for champions where before I didn't feel like I had a great, uh, you know, keystone mastery. And I was just mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I want to go in the tank tree, but none of the tank masteries really work for me." It I don't think it's a very strong mastery cuz I played one that one game I talked about at 26 minutes, uh, I moused over the healing done from the mastery and it was 1400. So and I've been in a lot in lane, of skirmishes, though? which didn't yeah. didn't feel big. Like for support, what do you think about like Thresh playing this? You know, we're talking about yeah. Warlords is, is gone kind of as that laning thing. What about Thresh, who's already pretty high priority? You hit them with the flay, you can heal off them a little bit. Things like this could be pretty strong. I think it's good on Braum. Actually. Yeah, Braum like, too. I think it brings Braum a little bit back into meta, and I, I agree with you, Kobe. That's like, the it's, it's not tank it's not a Courage of the Colossus level meta shifting mastery. Yeah, but when it, it will push out. people from just below viability to viability yeah i think it's a very beneficial beneficial thing for the melee supports mm-hmm. um as far as junglers i may nunu may be the only one like it doesn't feel super strong even though yeah five percent health is always nice uh, that's i i kind of equivalent that to like maybe half the strength of the old strength of ages a little bit less um, but, uh, yeah, I think I'm just going to stick with my same old stuff in the jungle so far. The only other thing is actually there are, are quite a few people hyped for the new warlords for Kindred specifically um, because okay. it will, you know, give her some more sustain early on um, along with, the, you know, those changes to how easily she can get her marks. Uh, I did play one game of that as well. And we won just because my team was better, but yeah. I don't think it's a huge thing. And you are still gonna, you know, lose out some yeah. on the, uh, you know, if you don't take fervor. Uh, I do think that the new warlords could be good for some range champions because this version of warlords doesn't have a weaker, you know, fifty percent effectiveness for range champions. I don't think it's good at all for any melee champions, uh, but it's not weaker for range champions, so maybe you can fit it in there. Yeah, I'm sure it's gonna find its niche for Kindred. For me though, like it's I played a ton of Kindred last year to give some context. Like this is my most played champion. I love that champion. Uh, I still feel like you don't. Even though marks are on scuttles and stuff now, it doesn't feel like you get marks unless your lanes are winning. And if if the prerequisite for you to play the champion is that all your lanes are winning anyway, then any jungler can do that, right? Like any jungler can win a game in which your whole team is already winning. So to me, Kindred still feels just kind of like outshined in the, in the early game as far as like, it just feels like you're getting outstatted. Like these people are just kind of walking towards you. You mm-hmm. cannot do enough damage. Your slow does not slow enough to actually kite them out. Like it doesn't feel like you're going to get in there. But are you, You're maxing E first, right? Uh, I mean, I, I had been maxing Q. You think you should be maxing E I, first now? Completely? I think you should. I definitely do think you should be maxing uh, E first. Uh, I got the idea from one of the stats websites um, because that was one of the the most um, a lot of the most a win lot rate. of damage though. Yeah, I I did do it though, and it it felt super good. But huh. you have to get off that big chunk. You have to like get that proc yeah, off. If you don't get your it, third hit, it, you're it in, really you're did in feel good as far as you know early jungle doing though. So. Uh, maybe, maybe for people who are, you know, doing that and, you know, pros that have a lot of time on it, we may see, mm-hmm. uh, some reemergence of Kindred, but, uh, yeah, maybe go for that angle. Yeah. There's a couple other big changes that we haven't quite touched on, which was Rise mm-hmm. having his spell flux cooldown increasing by a second at the first rank and then going down to what it used to be by level 14 because he gets put six points in his overlord. 
overload. <laughs> and then Varus also getting huge nerfs. Unless he's proccing blight stacks, the cooldown on his Q is much lower. Like I love, I love gone? me some Varus nerfs. Is he gone basically uh, at probably. this point? Well, this com combined with the Deathfire touch nerf. We we talk about masteries, mm -hmm. but that one, it, you know, wasn't a you know big big lights or anything, nothing, nothing yep. special there, but they cut a lot of damage off yeah. Deathfire Touch, so that is a hit to Jin. that is a hit to Varus. And I think Rise might be dead, too. Pretty, pretty substantial. I think Rise yeah, might they be also gone. reduced uh, the, the stun, like the root, the root. rather. It's down um, a quarter second. Yeah, which is actually really big because he's so powerful for early gank assist. So, I mean, the empowered one, I think, is the same, but... Um, yeah, exactly. But, but if you're building Mercury way. Treads against Rise, you're, you're rooted for less than half a second, yeah. and then you're walking away. Th this does bring up a different question, though, from the balance team's perspective, right? Mm. Like, we've looked at the way they balance the game from patch 7.1 to now, which is mm -hmm. patch 7.5, and it's like they're doing these, these little jabs at a lot of these champions, and we've basically said they've been a little bit too slow. We had Rengar, Camille LeBlanc being permabanned for what felt like the first half of the split. Graves is still... Graves and Jace... But for the most well, part... Jace got touched. For but the most part, there's been these little <laughs> baby nerfs to these champions, and it almost feels like this patch, they just got fed up and said, LeBlanc, Rise, Varys, we're tired of your stuff right here. Yeah, and Aatrox we're getting is already in the grave, but they buried him deeper, too. <laughs> we don't need to talk about Aatrox. <laughs> well, yeah, we're not even talking about <laughs> that, dude. He's getting hotfixed. He yeah. has no esports viability. <laughs> unless you're talking about Aatrox 2, which is Galio, <laughs> yeah, who's going to yeah. be coming out later. But that's for a different I mean, episode. that's just like kicking them on. They're already on the ground here. But yeah, I do like your point, though, Jack. Uh, the LeBlanc one, to me, does feel like the biggest... I'm done with this. Throw it in the dumpster. And to be fair, to me, I hate that champion. So I'm not as offended by yeah. you know the big you know 125 damage off and you know throw her in the dumpster. But I can see where, especially people who you know maybe that's their main champion or something. That's feel um, bad. It definitely will feel bad yeah. for people who actually like that champion. As an, um, as an esports fan though, man. Okay, the, who are the last two that we were saying you like are the must bans, must picks? Varus and LeBlanc. LeBlanc. Yeah. I actually think that that makes drafting that much cooler. Diversity has been going up very clearly. I think this helps increase that even more so. Uh, we've been seeing a trend towards that. You know, last week in the LCS, we saw like five, six new picks this late in the season. I think we could see even more as you're no longer required to do that, which which I, as, as an LCS fan, love. Would you have rather them just take a small nerf on the three of them again so that they're still viable yep, I would. instead of being completely out of the game? I would. I want to touch on a little bit different uh, of an approach that they've gone for because, okay, so here's here's one of the things. Like, you know, the size of the nerfs that you're throwing at a specific champion, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, you can debate, you know, how slow or quick you want to go with that and adjust it to what feels good. But to me, something that they did um, was funnel Varus into forcing him into a single build. Yeah. So here's what they did. They buffed this lethality. Like, lethality was insane. So everyone's building lethality, right? And then all of a sudden, Varus, because he can use lethality super well, becomes this OP must-pick or ban champion. Then they slowly, uh, at first they're like, ah, lethality, you know, we wanted to change it that way. That you know, Then they take a little while to cut down on the items. Uh, they cut down on the items, but then they also are nerf nerfing Varus. So yeah. what you've done is Varus used to be able to either go with that Essence Reaver build, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Which and, he was pretty good with because he has good exactly. attack speed scaling on his kit. Um, then they made lethality the must build for him. So he's funneled into having to go for this. And then if you nerf him, you all you always have to build that 
premier build on Varus. You always have to build that lethality build. I feel like the Essence Reaver build is not even an do option you, for him anymore. Do you anymore, anymore though? After after the nerf. Why not? What, what about what about the Korean Soul Cube? The build? Essence Reaver build popular. is all about the, actually proccing your blade, which is yeah. going to keep this queue the same. So blade, if you do that build, it might still work. Well, and Blade of the Rune King fervor build that was actually pretty hype. And and to be fair, the Deathfire thing, even in the LCS, a number of people took Warlords, but um, the the Blade of the Rune King thing did pop into competitive. Was super hot in Korean solo queue. Blade of the Rune King, Emax, use your queue only to proc blight stacks, which doesn't get hurt that much with mm. this change. So it's pushing to me more back towards that attack speed. You have life steal. You get fervor. Like that could still be quite solid. Uh, is it going to be as disgusting as as the lethality virus? No. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's this is my point, right? They're shifting just between. You're, they're forcing you basically one way. Now they're double nerfing virus by nerfing the or the triple nerfing him by nerfing death or the lethality build yeah. deathfire plus his Q, which is the the skill that you max when mm -hmm. you go lethality plus the lethality items. So you're hitting from like three different angles on just the just the one build. Yeah, which which I actually personally like. Because I think that it, it should not be something that is like, oh, you can't play Varus anymore. It should be, we do not think you should play Varus in this way anymore mm -hmm. and be successful. Because, you know, the whole thing with the kid is like, okay, mm -hmm. you stack up your Blight, then you proc it, then you get the damage. That's how you're rewarded. That's what you're supposed to do. This, you just shoot Qs out from max range. It just half someone's health. Like, that was not yeah. cool. I mean, yeah. may maybe you think it's not cool. I thought it was cool that you could go either way, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I do want to just jump in and try and loop back a little bit to LeBlanc because I got to talk to the dude who did the LeBlanc changes, Wick yeah. Saban, and I talked to him yesterday. And one of the reasons that they went from, you know, little baby steps to just, like, hammers mm. and axes for nerfs this week is because this is the last patch before playoffs where they want to make big changes. There's been some mistakes in the mm -hmm. past that they're trying to move away from, from doing massive patches on playoff patch because then the regular season That's to playoffs good. doesn't make as much sense. And they basically kind of looked at it as a team reevaluated the Blanc, said, this is not a champion who we feel like is healthy for competitive play because there's really not much counterplay. She dominates the mid and late game, especially when you're getting into the better teams. They make even better use of the Blanc. It's not like she's a pub stomper. She is the premier champion for the best teams. And they're, they're already actually doing longer-term LeBlanc changes, but those won't be ready for midseason, and they don't want to do it right before playoffs. So it's it's kind of one of those old Cassidy or old Gragas situations where they said, mm -hmm. actually, we're kind of at wit's end with this champion. We're going to get rid of it, which is, yeah. you never like that. And I think the early hit until people advance to, to go in queue, like maybe there's still some usefulness, but so, it's kind of just gone. I mean, some people like that, right? You, you, you It's not that you never like that. I mean, this is, this is definitely a case of, Competitive sends their regards, and like LeBlanc is dead for a while. Like, ah, get in the dumpster, you. Um, and I, there is that balance between people who always will want to play LeBlanc and their LeBlanc, yeah. you know, players or whatever, and people who are fed up with it. And they're yeah. like, you know what? It's fine for her to take a timeout. Yeah. Well, so before, before we move on, I, I have one more regards. One We're more, using that in the future. Yeah. I have one more quick question for you guys. What do you think about exhaust? Not a lot of people have been talking about exhaust, but it actually got some pretty decent nerfs. The attack speed is off it. The RMR reduction is off it. Huge. Like I think that is actually really big, especially in the bot lane, where to me it was way more annoying having the attack speed reduction yeah. on an early marksman with no attack speed than the actual damage reduction was. So does this push people? Right now. Yeah. Does this push more people towards Ignite. A, does that make Assassins too strong? And B, do we see the rise of kind of kill lanes, like Thresh with Ignite and Lucian and stuff like that? For your Assassin point, most of the Assassins weren't really attack speed based. Uh, it It is it's an all-around nerf, right? Yep. So it's, it's just a weaker summoner spell. Um, and I know a lot of people 
also have a lot of bad feelings around exhaust. Um, it's frustrating. It's uh, how the good feeling of being a Jana or something and putting exhaust on the Z that comes in is kind of like, haha. Uh, you know, that's like maybe a maybe a four or five or whatever. The bad feeling as the assassin coming in, now you're super fed. is just like uh, I played a game. That's actually a zero. You're just like I don't get to play for however long the duration of this summer spell is on me for. I played a game last night on Diana Jungle. Right, I'm pretty fed. I was playing with uh, with one of my friends who's playing Yasuo, and he was trolling, so he wasn't mm-hmm. gonna get exhausted, right? He ended up doing four thousand <laughs> damage in like a forty minute game. The bonuses of like doing poorly, I'm not gonna get exhausted. Yeah, 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 yeah probably yeah, might have yeah. had more fun so, than a fed Yasuo who gets exhausted. So they had two exhausts, right? They had a Jana with exhaust with uh, with CDR boots and stuff, and they had exhaust on their mid laner as well. Every fight, I would get exhausted twice. I was tilted. <laughs> yeah. It was so annoying. It's like I go in, I get there as well at 10% yeah. health. Oh, I get exhausted. I'm not killing him. Okay, Alzonia is that one. Come out, second exhaust. It's just yeah. like, yeah. oh my God. That spell God. is still epically good, yeah. even without the attack speed reduction. So I think we're not going to see many major changes. It will have a small impact of the champions in, Bali, though, in between exhausting night. Like if you're playing Thresh, I think you actually bring Ignite now, but on the super defensive supports, you're still bringing exhaust yeah. every game. In I, mid lane on like Jace, you're still bringing exhaust. I'm if fully in favor. Are better, of it. Do you bring Ignite and play more tanks? Yeah, I'm fully in favor of this change. I just think it makes the game more exciting uh, mm-hmm. when you have less ways to like slow it down. So, Return of the Thunder Cow. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we talked about the trades. I want to double back and talk about more of the NALCS teams because we do have C9 and TSM, best teams in North America. Is that going to continue? They're actually three games they're ahead pulling away. of FlyQuest and Phoenix One with six left. Yeah, they're definitely pulling away. You know, With the improvements that we talked about for TSM, uh, and actually C9 were pretty much always uh, a cut above the rest of them. So yeah, yeah they definitely are uh, you know, separating themselves from the rest of the league. Yeah, and... At least for C9, even though it feels like they're slowing down a little bit because they started 8-0 and now they're 10-2, I I don't really see a world in which they don't get a playoff bye. Uh, Their biggest weakness to me is actually, generally speaking, contracts and his early game punishment. Like He hasn't been as clean as you'd want to see him, um, but that's actually what they pointed out early on in the split. They mentioned that they thought it was going to take a while to integrate contracts. I think some of their early game stats reflect that. But the fact that they're still 10-2 and two just kind of speaks to how strong they are as an overall team. Yeah. Their lanes are so good. I mean, yeah, they definitely are. Um, I also have a couple more you know, things to worry about for this team, especially since if we're lo- looking at the top two teams right in North America, then you know which is the one going to go to MSI? Eventually, a lot more uh, weaknesses are going to be exposed, and there are things like mm-hmm. early game but, uh, you know, the macro for the late game has been, I've been pretty happy yeah. with for them. Um, but a lot of things in the early game, you know, and, and how to how to really get off to one of those exciting, super big leads that you expect from number one team from a region, right? The ability to like super dominate people uh, in the early game hasn't quite been there. Maybe, you know, it is part in, in uh, contracts, uh, him, you know, working with Jensen. Uh, and trying to to get that, but also you know the ways to actually try and focus on getting first turret, or you know mm-hmm. focus on getting control of an area to go for a lot of ganks, you know like Dragon Pit or you know one side of the map or something. I think the snowballing point is actually pretty big. You know when you look at TSM Summer Split last year, that was really their strength, right? They were able to snowball games, they take hold in the early game, and they choke you out pretty much before you can do anything. 
And and Cloud9 to me, like that's such a big weakness. Yes, I don't see them getting not getting a buy, but I actually think TSM is looking better than Cloud9 at this point in the season. And I think a big part of that is the jungler. You, you used to be able to say more, well, okay, top lane is a pretty pretty nice advantage for C9, but Hanser is actually looking incredibly good. The bot lane mm -hmm. is actually playing quite well. Bjergsen versus Jensen was always a toss-up. And then to me, Sven Skarin is pretty significant advantage over contracts from from what i have seen so i think this is trending more towards uh tsm because early game is is so big when you can you can get away with giving up early game leads against teams that you are better than and that's almost every team in the league but if you're playing a team that is as good as you and you give up early game leads do you get to come back well it, of course that always 100 percent depends on team of compositions course. right yes. and, and people are always talking about oh this team is so good at early game and I'm like, well you know they drafted all winning lanes with you <laughs> yeah. know jason blah blah like it's generally speaking though the tsm and c9 teams aren't playing for early game team compositions like c9 exactly. is Both especially laners play late game champions yeah. yeah smoothie as well picks what feels like a bunch of melee supports his Tarek play has been exquisite for so many of these games like they are exquisite terrace plays <laughs> fabulous uh but it is fabulous. I, I really like the way they kind of approach the game especially in this league right like i don't necessarily need to speculate towards msi to say that some of the other teams are going to run over them in the early game but in this league hmm, when they have Korea such be good at msi <laughs> yeah i wonder uh but the fact that they are kind of picking more for late game is playing to their strengths yeah. the split their lanes are spectacular and then they just have better late game team comps yeah, I mean, I'm always curious to see, uh, you know, how many different looks teams can have too. If you can switch, uh, have big variations in the types of team comps that you do run, uh, depending on the opponents that you're going to face for international. But as of right now, yeah, yeah. So it it seems like those guys are kind of running away, and we're wondering is it going to be this inevitable future of TSM C9 in the finals? And kind of because the teams that are coming against them, uh, FlyQuest, Phoenix One, maybe CLG. Do you see any team that is going to be challenging them in the NALCS right now? I feel like maybe I'm putting too much on the revamped Phoenix one or like re put together yeah. and or you know, Team Liquid maybe they make it into the playoffs, <laughs> make it run to the finals. See, that would be hilarious. That's, it would be hilarious, but I'm not considering that right now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think to me of the FlyQuest, CLG, and Phoenix one, I think I'm gonna put Phoenix one as a front runner right there right now um, yeah. to try and crack. But even then. Um, it's not like a you know huge percentage for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's a it's a high chance for any of those teams, but I, I think that CLG or P1 have a shot because those teams, to me, at their highest highs, can can beat anyone. You know, CLG has shown that time and time again. They've mm -hmm. not looked very good this year, but they mm -hmm. only have to show up in one series to knock a team out. And the meta changes are going to be beneficial for CLG, mm -hmm. in my opinion. I mean, Afro loves playing melee support. He loves playing playmaking. Those are going to be the Alistar, Alistar game last week was bad. That was that was. Dixay's <laughs> already been super good on Ezreal. I feel mm -hmm. like he's going to transition to Caitlyn. He can play Lucian. Like I yep. think it, it favors CLG hugely. I think one team that I'm still worried about, and I've been worried about. <laughs> Them oh, since they were six more and than one. worried. <laughs> uh, FlyQuest, actually, because before the season, we've touched on this story a whole bunch during the NALCS broadcast. Mm. People around, thought they were going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so I've uh, offline and story meetings and stuff. <laughs> I've been foretelling the fall of FlyQuest for weeks, but we'll see if it it's ends like up happening. They're, they're already kind of looking like a middle of the pack team rather than a top tier team because the weaknesses we saw before the split are coming out. Their lanes are still a little bit weak. Their shot calling actually 
they've probably blown just as many leads, if not more leads, than the other top teams who aren't com- constantly praised mm-hmm. for their shot calling. They've been inconsistent. In the last few weeks, they've only been winning with Mordekaiser, right? Like, what what is happening to this team right now? They were 6-1, and one, now they're 7-5. and five. I don't see it recovering that easily. Let me go to bat for FlyQuest here, because I know you love to flame them, but... I do to- not love to flame them. Yes, you do! <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're like, oh, the fall from grace. To, to me, even if FlyQuest end up you're like, oh, they're just a middle-of-pack team. Yeah. Middle-of-pack team, I'm like, huge success for FlyQuest. <laughs> yeah. Everybody the thought thing, they were going right? to be 10. Because the main <laughs> thing that I'm, I'm talking about is is they were almost getting put into that conversation of the top teams in North America, yeah. and they're probably a middle-of-the-pack team, which they should be proud of based on where they've come from. Yeah, I, I think if this team makes playoffs, period, that's a success for, for this roster. Yeah. And, and I mean— Everyone had them at ninth or tenth, pretty much mm-hmm. in early season protections. Like other teams, all analysts, everything. Uh, I, I think that these guys, where I do give them credit for the shot calling, is is you're saying, okay, they're shot calling, they blow as many leads as they get. I think that's true because they're very risky. Yep. But but what I will say is the shot calling does need to be credited because when you're looking at at, at a team that is tied for third place and you know balls is your top laner going up against guys like someday and, and impact and Hanser and stuff like you have not as talented mechanically players right so you don't have as much to work with i think it's it is kind of fair to say um and they are doing very well because they work so well as a team and i do think that their shot calling is very good uh you know yeah i think they deserve some credit for it moon has been actually really good yeah i think balls has neutralized a lot of laners high is either leading the league in kills or very close to it, and people were saying that he didn't have the mechanics to play mid lane. Like oh they have already God. proved so many people wrong. Let's stop on that one because that is one of the oldest things that I've just yeah. always hated. And I agree with you always... on this point. Hyde does have good mechanics, but I'll let you go. Yeah, yeah, and that that was always such a ridiculous thing to me that people were complaining about because even people like Bjergsen, um, Jensen, Jensen said you know when he. Okay. Well, I can't remember which one it was actually, but a lot of the you know top laners are like, I've learned so much from laning against High. Like mm-hmm. he's insane, aggressive. He's doing all these trades. Like his mechanics. Mechanics are how you literally can perform a move on your champion. Like, can you react quickly to things? Can you you know perform the Lee Sin combos or whatever? He is good at that. Uh, I mean, there are definitely criticisms yeah. you can level at High, but I don't think that. Uh, Zed's one of his go-to champions. Think, yeah. That's not an easy non-mechanical. Where champion. this came from, like my understanding though was it's champion was, pool. was champion pool, but but also the attack on mechanics was like okay, C9 at Worlds going up against Samsung and stuff. What was this, 2014 yeah. or 2015, whatever it was? Uh, High got blasted in mm-hmm. that tournament. Every game in mid lane, he was getting smashed, and people are like, well, he can't match up mechanically, and I think that's where that came from. Deserve it or not. Uh, like I remember, there was in in last like three games or something like that. He had some stat line where it was like three so, and thirty or some score line like that. So to me, laning is separate from mechanics, and people yeah. often blur the line. Right? There's a lot of more things that go into laning besides mechanics. And yeah, he can get blasted in lane, and he would lose in CS a lot. And I think that's you're right. That's where a lot of it came from because yeah. people would look at it and be like, he's down, you know, thirty CS or whatever. You know, yeah, part of that is high roaming style, but part of it is also, um, you know, laning isn't just the mechanics of actually the last hitting and stuff like that. It's all all the mind games that go into keeping track of the enemy jungler, Positioning, you know, warding, the, the warding meta game that you have to work with your entire team for, mm-hmm. um, you know, the positioning around the minions in that lane, in the different matchups, how well you know these different matchups and the different styles of champions you play. We always bring it up, you know, you're if you're playing melee assassins all the time, you're gonna have lower CS numbers compared to yep. a range champion that is gonna be able to pull you early on. All, all of There's those There's so factors. much that goes into exactly. it, right? And High's been around for super long. People have learned a lot from him, yeah. and he's having another good split, which is super credit to him. I do want to 
Kind of close out the NALCS discussion, though. Trade deadline, everyone made their moves. Six teams make the playoffs. We're going to now, I'm forcing you to make playoff predictions. Uh, who are the six teams that make the playoffs? I'm going to say, bold prediction, TSM and C9 make it. Uh, <laughs> Whoa! Whoa. Uh, but after that, Wait, slow down there. Profit! Yeah. You're going to have to, you're gonna have to that, justify gonna this. We're basically saying who's going to finish fifth and sixth because I think FlyQuest, Phoenix 1, TSM and C9 are all in. CLG, Echo Fox, I don't think it changes. I think that the teams that are just outside that are actually looking on a downward trend. I mean, is Immortals on the up and up? No. Is Dignitas on the up and up? I don't think so. To, to me, it probably mm. stays the way it is. I think the uh, Team Liquid wild card is definitely it's fair, interesting. Yeah, but do they? Yeah. I think do they it's very Team Liquid hype. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, they're not. They're not chopping at you know chomping at the bit mm. for the top spots or anything. I'm th- <laughs> the interesting slot is that sixth spot, kind right? The, I the think COG is playoffs, fifth, right? Right. I think COG is fifth or sixth. They're in. So it's really actually a discussion about who's going to get the sixth spot. And is the Team Liquid hype? Uh, I. I think so. I think, I, I think I'm buying. <laughs> I, I mean, hype. it's 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 definitely so going to be really interesting to watch unfold. The other things are, you know, shout outs to um, Dignitas, Chaser, and Someday are you know quite good, um, mm-hmm. and Delira on Envy also I think it is quite good. So you know, there there are definitely options. But uh, as far as uh, you know, siding with who's actually going to get in there, I am going to side with you guys. I'm just. Well, who are you I, I think he, that he the said Echo Fox. Who's who's sixteen for you? Give me the, give me that list again. Uh, but I do. Th- I think it's easier to say the ones that are not going to get in. Yeah. That, well, you, you basically kind of have to pick one because it's yeah. Echo Fox, Immortals, Team Dinger Toss, Envy, or Team. Unless Liquid. you think CLG's getting knocked out, you can say that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. That, that that's definitely fair. I do think that the changes in the meta are going to be hugely beneficial for CLG, and mm-hmm. I think we might actually see them rise though. Um, but then again, yeah, I think it is uh, pr- the highest probability will be Echo Fox. Yeah, I'm buying into the hype. I'm saying Team Liquid. All right. Yeah, just, there, just in there. there. They have a hard schedule. They've been terrible all year. They have an AD carry playing mid lane. Pandering to the fans. They can make Kobe it. Kobe and They Jack. can make it. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to move on. We have They're going to do Twitter. it with Draven, too. <laughs> we got a Twitter question from, I don't even know how to say this name, X-Z-E-I-J-I-E-U-S. Uh, yeah, he yeah. says, will Galio be played in the LCS? Yeah. And to be fair, this is a question that he actually just tweeted me and Kobe this, Randomly, yeah. we would like this it if for people the show. send us <laughs> hey, to like you're ruining the illusion. Kobe people care right about chat. the show. They're asking us stuff. Yeah, they Wait, we need a hashtag. Come. Is it hashtag the dive lol yeah. or hashtag hashtag the dive lol? Yeah. Do that. Send us questions because then you'll have this spot. But you know, this is a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. Will Galio be played in the LCS? <laughs> Will he? Uh, I haven't looked at any of the numbers yet because I haven't <laughs> I haven't logged on PBE. Have you? Do you know how much damage each of his things do? Do you know any no. of the numbers, Chad? No. I know I that he looks kid. super cool. Um, and anybody with that, you know, he has added mobility. Mobility to me is usually one of the highest uh, valued uh, things in yeah. competitive play. So you know, I, I think it's it's definitely viable that we'll see him. The other thing that I know is that. You know, when they uh, design champions or rework champions or anything like that, um, especially if you know, it's a different playstyle or something, they're expecting people to you know have a learning curve, and so they yeah. try and design them a little bit strong to kind of compensate yeah. for that. And I actually don't care about the numbers because I've seen a track record the last <laughs> year or two where if the numbers are low, they're going to buff them until the numbers are good. Yeah. And you're then looking at evaluating the kit and saying whether or not this kit can fit competitive. 
And I feel like with the coordination potential of the ultimate and the map pressure that it can add, even if it's a mid lane tank as it's designed and that doesn't really fit in the current meta, I think the numbers will get to a point where we will see him. Also, we have FlyQuest in our league, so they'll use it. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I watched the PVE stream, uh, the Rye PVE stream for it, and to me, like, oh god, he looked like he looked weak early. His like a couple levels in, he looked like he could do some stuff, and then later it just felt like the taunt is so slow. You have to hit this wind up thing to stun them, kind of before you can actually land the taunt. It felt Debbie like it Downer was it was Zale. really tough to actually make <laughs> yeah. it work in the late game. But if they buff the numbers. Does the kit make oh, it? Oh, now you care about the numbers, huh? I, I, I think that the, <laughs> the, the taunt and stuff like was, first felt like so slow that it felt, for a high impact ability, mm -hmm. it felt like it was too slow. It's not like an on-demand taunt flash. I feel like people mm. at the highest level will be able to play around his kit too well. You can react to the ultimate. It comes in pretty slow. The mm. taunt has to be channeled for it to last very long. I, I feel Dang. like he's too fair. Uh, in solo queue, maybe he could be good, but at LCS level, just crushed my dreams, How dude. do we decide who's right? If he gets played once, does that mean we see him in competitive? Like, what's yeah. the threshold? I the think question is, will we see yes. him? Yes, so eventually. If we see him played one time. But he's, he's most likely not going to be a big meta pick. I don't think so. All right. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm so sad now. I saw the video, and I was like, wow, that looks cool. That was neat. Yeah. Super here. Let's go. Let's There's go. Still we'll hope. see him. Yeah. There's still hope. Uh, so that'll wrap up this week's episode of The Dive. Remember, episodes come out every Thursday on SoundCloud. Almost every. Sometimes we'll... Almost every Thursday. We're going to tell you if it's not going to be out. Also, we'll be expanding to iTunes and Spotify in the near future. Uh, if you want to reach mark? out to us or have a question featured on the show, remember, use the hashtag The Dive LOL or tweet any of us on Twitter. Don't forget, tune in week seven of the NALCS. Matches kick off. Friday, March 10th at 3 p.m. Pacific time. See you then.